Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host, uh, coming to you live and unmade up from Dallas, Texas. I'm here at Mercury Studios. Uh, Glenn Beck has been kind enough to lend me his studio uh, for today's episode of Fearless. I'm here in Dallas because it's Tuesday. It's probably one of the biggest nights in American history. Uh, tonight, it's one of the biggest nights in American history. Uh, tonight, of course, as you all know, uh, Ball State travels to Toledo uh, for a game that's likely to decide the Mac West. And the entire nation is on pins and needles uh, for this, I believe, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Ball State at Toledo. National story that has all of America on pins and needles. It's a big night. I mean, anytime the Cardinals uh, travel and play at the Glass Bowl in midweek action, it's a big night. And there's this other thing going on uh, on the political uh, side of things. Uh, I think the election, there's some sort of midterm election, something or another that's going on that, I guess, uh, will steal a tiny bit of the spotlight uh, from the matchup of the Cardinals and the Rockets. But I think all of us uh, that have been following this game, we're expecting a red wave. Uh, The Ball State Cardinals, uh, from what we understand, will be wearing their red uniforms and will be a part of a red wave uh, that storms the glass bowl tonight in midweek action. Uh, Cardinals somehow, Vegas has us getting 11 11 and a half points. Uh, but the pollsters are wrong. Uh, the odds makers are wrong, uh, giving us uh, 11, 11 and a half points. Uh, I fully expect a red wave tonight uh, from my Ball State Cardinals. Uh, as it relates to that election, I'm here in Dallas uh, because Glenn Beck has asked me to talk about that other event, the midterm elections. I think Glenn... Myself, Ali Bestucky, Steve Dace, uh, Alex Stein, Sarah Gonzalez, Stu Bergmeier, uh, Bergmeier, uh, who, who am I missing? Uh, anyway, a bunch of us. Oh, Chad Prather. Can't wait. To, I haven't seen Chad. I haven't talked to Chad since he was on our show and he was hilarious. But uh, anyway, a bunch of us are going to talk some uh, about the election while we simultaneously uh, have a watch party of the uh, Ball State-Toledo game, we'll, we'll also uh, mix in a little uh, talk about the election as we watch that game. But uh, anyway, I'm not going to, on this show, this episode of Fearless, 
We're not going to focus on the midterm elections because I want you tonight on Blaze TV uh, to watch the huge big event. Our election night coverage is just around the corner and the stakes are the highest they've ever been for a midterm election. Uh, with the red wave everyone is anticipating, will it be large enough to propel the GOP to victory in the Senate? Will the woke left finally be put on their heels? Join Glenn Bell, Glenn Beck, myself, Ali Bestucky, Steve Dace, and all of your favorite Blaze TV live on election night. And let's watch the results come in together. Most cable news and corporate media networks just parrot the party line during their election coverage. We're going to give it to you straight on election night without the spin and bland talking points. We also have a lot of really cool surprise guest appearances planned throughout the night that you do not want to miss. So join us at 7.45 p.m. Eastern. 7.45 p.m. Eastern over at blazetv.com or Blaze TV YouTube channel as we help you make sense of the election results. Here's a special promo code uh, related to the Ball State Cardinals. Promo code REDWAVE for $30 off your Blaze TV subscription. Uh, this would be a great time to do that. Also, Delano, my man Delano Squires, he's going to be uh, joining us uh, tonight as well. So action-packed uh, election night coverage. Uh, that's why I'm here in Dallas and why Glenn has lent, lent me his uh, studio today. And so we're going to, because I'll be talking election live on Blaze TV, I don't want to talk the election on this show. So I got a special treat lined up for you. Very special treat. Uh, pro you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. The Korean Cosell... I think has turned into everybody's favorite contributor. I, 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 I think he can lay claim to that. He may be the favorite personality on this show. Uh, people just seem to love uh, Steve Kim. It, it baffles me uh, that people love Steve Kim. I, I can barely stand him. But the audience seems to really like Steve Kim. And so it's going to be me and Steve Kim for the full hour. I, I, I had requested and had told the team, uh, let's bring Shamika Michelle out and let's do a full hour with Shamika. She is clearly uh, the, the best contributor we have on the show, in my view. In my view, and I think a lot of people in the audience uh, believe that as well. But according to our polling, the Korean Cosell edges out Shamika as people's favorite contributor on this show. And and the person, I, I, according to a lot of our polling and research, we had a Stu, you know, he put together that election Bible and guide and all that. We had him do some research on our show as well. And he said that uh Korean Cosell narrowly edged out uh, Shamika as the person that most people want to see replace me as the host of this show. Uh, so anyway, it's going to be Steve Kim and I for the entire hour today talking sports. We don't, we're, we're not today. Fearless isn't going to delve into the politics thing because I want to do that live on TV with Glenn Beck. And we're going to do it for like five hours tonight. And so I just want to talk some sports. Let's let our hair down, give you some counter-programming. Those of you that want to, because again, this show will air uh, before all, you know, the final results start rolling in. And look, the Democrats, the way they're playing 
<clears throat> dirty pool, we may not have the final results until Christmas, uh, <laughs> as long as it takes them to count. But anyway, we're going to do counter programming, just talk sports. You can let your hair down, relax, have a little fun. Uh, Korean Cosell, uh, welcome uh, back to Fearless. I, I can't believe the way this audience uh, likes you. I, you're probably my least favorite contributor, uh, but you're the audience's favorite contributor, Steve. It, it shocks me. You know, that's the greatest backhanded compliment I ever got. First of all, when you said special treat, I was like, what? And you said me. And I was like, well, wait a minute. You you promised the audience uh, filet mignon and it's meatloaf Tuesday. But it's me and you. Well, me and you. Hollow that, notes. Yeah, that's. Hollow notes for the next hour. Yeah, that's what the kind of audience we're attracting prefers meatloaf <laughs> over steak. And I kind of like that because I probably would take if, if I was at a restaurant and had a choice between meatloaf and a steak, I, I may go meatloaf. Uh, so, yeah, I'm okay. a, I love meatloaf. I love meatloaf. <laughs> anyway, let, let's let's get into the sports conversation because yesterday we talked a little bit about this, not me and you, but me and Jason Brown talked about Jeff Saturday oh. named the head coach uh, uh, of the uh, Indianapolis Colts, uh, replacing Frank Reich, who's been fired. Uh, let's – I got a clip here of Ian Rappaport – uh, I think talking about Jeff Saturday and how whatever this they've quickly spun this into it somehow is a reflection on what the NFL thinks of minority coaches. Let's hear from Ian Rappaport. Imagine being a very qualified minority candidate and seeing Jeff Saturday hired as interim coach with literally no experience except being a high school coach in Georgia. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling, and it's, you know, if there's frustration around the league from really qualified assistants, coordinators, especially those who are minorities, with this, certainly all of that is understandable, and no doubt we are going to be hearing more about that, as we should over the next couple of weeks, regardless of what happens with the Colts hiring. Jeff- hey, uh, hmm. I want to – could you hear that music that was playing in the background, Steve? Could, yes, I could. Yeah, a little and bit. So, yeah. I, I don't know if someone here, technically, could help me out here. Why the music was playing uh, so loudly or whatever? It, it, or it maybe. No, but could, Jason. Yeah. Jason, don't worry about the music. It, it was all drowned out by the pandering. Oh. <laughs> that came in loud and clear. Oh, okay. Hey, hey, buddy, you're you're going to be invited to the barbecue. That guy, whoever you were. And Rappaport. Yeah. Okay, Ian. You're you're going to the cookout. You're good. And Bring so, the sauce. Bring the potato salad. Th- that's Ian Rappaport, and I want to play you one more, and I'm loath to do this, but I got to play it because uh, these guys are putting it in front of me. I, I was busy all morning, and and did and so I, I I let these guys run wild. We're gonna do whatever. We're gonna talk about whatever y'all want to talk about. Put the clips in front of me, and we'll talk about it. And so now they put me in a tough spot. They got a Joy Taylor clip of her pandering. And, you know, I try to avoid this topic or discussing this. But anyway, let's play the Joy Taylor clip as well. Mm -hmm. So what really bothers me is every time these unqualified, wildly unqualified hires happen, nobody wants to give it the attention that it deserves when we're talking about black head coaches. That's right. You have no experience, none, zero, none, no experience in college or professionally coaching on any level, not as a coaching analyst, none. And what is the word that we always hear when it comes to black coaches being hired? Well, they just don't experience. have enough experience. experience. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. experience. All right, so I know they're going to slither on out every time this happens, 
make sure you take this back to your little troll hole with you, yeah. that these are the examples mm. that are blatant and obvious when we're talking about black coaches not getting hired. We got to have a rule in place just for interviews. Yeah, it's crazy. And if you, could have, if you like the guy, he's been in the building, and you can have a beer with him, it's, it's, have at it. Well, what am I supposed to say to this? This is not a serious hire. Hmm. Hmm. I and you, know, I got smoke for everybody, and so I don't know why I'm gonna bite my tongue on this. If you know, I, I if I beat up Katie Nolan or Jamel Hill or Maria Taylor, but I, I dance around the Joy Taylor issue. I don't like to. to I don't. I, there's some sympathy or something I have for Joy that makes me not. But that's just clownish. Sympathy or simping? Come on, bring it. Bring so, it. I got some simping. Come on. <laughs> that's, Come on, it's kid. not. It's not simping. Yeah. <laughs> it, that's not oh. it. I, any. I'm gonna let you, you know, go thought, first. Go ahead. Right, go ahead. My thought go is ahead. this on Joy Taylor. Yeah. I was looking at that carefully. Not a fan of her current hairstyle. That's the thing that I got out of it. The frizzy look. Yeah, Very I, attractive woman, by the way. Not a fan of this current hairstyle, though. You know, but all right. A couple things about this hire overall. Yeah. When the news went out that Frank Reich was relieved of his duties, I was surprised. And I was a little bit saddened because I like Frank Reich. Old NFL guy. I grew up with him. Two of the greatest comebacks in college football, Maryland, Miami, and then also the Houston Oilers blowing a 35-3 lead. So he's a guy that I grew up with as a child of the 80s and 90s. So I have a bit of an affinity for him. And, and watching the hard knocks last year, I really thought he was a good, solid head coach, good man. And the Colts for about 15, 16 games last year were one of the feel-good stories of the year with Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor, and then they fell apart like a cheap suit late. And what's interesting is about an hour later, I'm on my timeline, and I started getting reports from like Schefter, yes, uh, Jeff Saturday has, uh, and I actually thought that was a parody account. That's how out of bounds this was. And it got me thinking, and this is funny, I started thinking of Sherelle and Alexander O'Neill. And you say, well, Steve, why are you thinking of those two? You know why? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, love. Love that song. <laughs> I play it all the time when I work out. It is great on the treadmill when you work out. Breaks out of sweat, gets me into a rhythm. But Here's the interesting thing. It also got me thinking that this is not necessarily unprecedented in sports. As a former diehard Laker fan in hiatus, in 1993-94, I remember a man by the name of Irvin Magic Johnson, who actually was tasked with being the interim coach by Jerry Buss because Randy Fund, it wasn't working out post-Magic. The Lakers were kind of in this dark stretch and it didn't look like we were going anywhere. And then out of nowhere, Magic, who I believe at that time was a uh, minority owner of the Lakers, came off the bench. And there was a lot of hype and hoopla. And it lasted for one game. And then the Lakers went on this long losing streak. And Magic found out, wow, this is kind of tough, this whole coaching thing. And I looked up the record. The last two games of the year were actually coached by our old classic long thing. No, oh. Billy Burtka, who every Laker fan loved because he was one of those institutions within an organization that we loved. So as you look back on Magic, what were his worst moments? It was the 84 Finals, his coaching stint, and the Magic Hour. So when people say that this has never been, it actually has been done. Now, with that said, forget the element of race. I actually think this is a huge slap in the face to men like John Fox and Gus Bradley. Say what you want. John Fox has been to Super Bowls. 
He's been a playoff coach. And then you have Gus Bradley, who's a highly thought of assistant, who's actually led a franchise, didn't have great success, but he knows how to be a football coach. This is just a bizarre hiring by Ursay. Totally disagree with your take. Uh, no. Totally disagree with, with virtually everything from Ian Rappaport to – because if a minority coach, as Ian Rappaport is th- su- suggesting, if they're sitting oh, my God, the Colts hired Jeff Saturday, what does it say about me? For, for That whole statement is based on misinformation, disinformation, a lie, a false an- equivalency. Name uh, – uh, Interim coach, when coaches get fired midseason, like this, there's about eight weeks left in the NFL regular season. They don't go out and hire uh, some coach off another team. They don't go off and hire whoever's going to be their real coach the next season. They normally uh, upgrade somebody from their current staff and give them that interim tag, and then they virtually never hire that guy as the permanent head coach. And so there Eric B enemy or whoever Byron Leftwich or whoever people have anointed as the next great black coach on some other franchise didn't just get pushed out of a job because uh Jeff Saturday took this interim label. It, it has no impact on them. If you want to argue that someone on the Colts staff should be given that interim tag who wants to sign up for that? Particularly a young, up-and-coming black coach. They have no quarterback. Matt Ryan is is done and toast and was a failure. Sam Elmlinger isn't an NFL-quality quarterback. And the offensive line can't protect, and it's terrible. So whoever, let's say Reggie Wayne's on that staff, and I ran through the list of guys on the staff, Scotty Montgomery, what they're signing up for is to put 1 and 7 or 0 and 8 on their record. That's what they would be signing up for. Or 2 and 6 or or, or what just some bad record they're signing up to put on their record. Nobody wants to do that. Now, do you go with Gus Bradley or John Fox? Perhaps. Yeah. If you go with Gus Bradley though, the Colts defense is actually playing pretty well. And so they don't want to go – and he's their defensive coordinator. They don't want to disrupt. If he becomes the head coach, maybe their defense falls apart as well because he's now the head coach and he's multitasking and maybe the defense backs off. John Fox is an old fossil. He's had his shots. They don't want to go that route. Jeff Saturday is there to take these L's as they tank for a quarterback, and then he gets to run back to – uh, ESPN and do whatever, and no one will care. Or maybe he catches lightning in a bottle, and they go eight and zero, six and two, and he does become their coach. But no one's really counting on that. This guy signed up to take those L's, and then as it relates to Joy Taylor and that that whole histronics, uninformed stuff. Listen, man, experience isn't the knock. She, her argument was, yeah, what's the knock on the black guys? They have no experience. That's not the knock. That, that, that's not the knock. What the knock is, they're not coaching on the offensive side of the ball. They're not offensive coordinators, and the league is headed towards quarterbacks. Everything is about the quarterback and the offense, and we're looking for the offensive guru who can come fix our quarterback. And the knock is that, that 
Some of them don't interview well. Uh, the knock is, and again, this is the unstated knock that, that no one likes to talk about. But the unstated knock that you can't say out publicly is, hey, man, some of these guys got so much drama in their personal life. They got baby mama drama, or if they're like uh, Eric Bieniemy, they got uh, some knocks on their rap sheet involving women uh, that make them unhireable. Those are the knocks. But let, let, let's pretend like and have three or two former football players sit up there who are equally uninformed or cowardly. Unwilling, nah, Joy, experience isn't really what why these guys aren't getting the job. They inter- some the knock is some of them say they interview poorly. They're not coaching on the offensive side of the football. Uh, they're not prepared. Uh, and, and and this whole notion that former players make the best coach is just not true. And many of the coaches in the NFL who are black, many of them are former NFL players. There's a whole study. There's a whole theory. There's a whole belief system that former players don't make the best head coaches. Actually, very mediocre college players actually make the best coaches because you know what they start doing while playing poorly in college, riding the bench in college? They start preparing to be head coaches. That's what Sean McVay, he went to Miami of Ohio, and his whole dream fantasy was to be uh, NFL head coach. And so he went and played football at Miami of Ohio. You know how I know this? And, and again, I'm just going to say this, and I'm, I need to be careful. But, again, there's a kid that I'm paying to go to college right now. He's on the football team. I'm paying for him to go to college because I want he wants to be and I want him to be a head coach. And so I, I'm I'm putting him through the Sean McVay process. And and that's what we need to be doing, and that's what we need to be talking about, not sitting around thinking every former NFL player, Byron Leftridge, Eric Bieniemy, they're all qualified to be NFL head coaches. If you go look at the resume of the guys that have been the greatest coaches in the NFL, they're not former great football players. Anyway, that that's my take. And so. Well, no, I don't think we disagree that much. But again, how, do you really think Jeff Saturday knows every player? Intimately? I don't think it matters. Oh, okay. So you I don't think that's matter. what he's not oh, there. God. That's not what he's there for. He's the interim coach. He's there to fail, Steve. And he's okay. Well, he's probably going to do that. I, yeah. I just think it's hilarious. He was trashing the Raiders on Sunday, and he inadvertently gave them locker room bulletin board material that is great <laughs> i mean i love the chaos look ursay's a bit of a nutty guy yes i i mean he might be hitting his medicine cabinet again i look again i don't really look the the colts have an issue here who should they have hired be, steve and, and well, no, if well based okay, on what all, goal what should be their goal for the rest of this season you know what i will say this based on your point i agree their job is to tank and to get into position for Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, because let's go back four years. I'll never forget. Bryce Young's overrated, by the way, but go okay, ahead. Yeah, okay, but here's the issue with the Colts. Since the day Andrew Luck abruptly retired, I believe in 2019, they've gone through Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and Matt Ryan. I mean, they went green because they were recycling great quarterbacks from the early 2000s and mid-10s. And just, it's not... So they were in this position where it was a no man's land. You either want to be really, really good 
or really, really bad. But if you're somewhere in the middle, you are mired in mediocrity. So they have to do something with that quarterback position. And I actually believe the general manager, I think his name is Chris Ballard, he's on the clock. You're the oh, one who put this together. Of course he's on the clock. Of course, right. yeah. So, uh, so I get it. Look, whether Jeff Saturday coaches another game after early January, I really don't know. You're right. He's doing a favor. He's doing the Magic Johnson for Jerry Buss because after we got, who was it, uh, Dell Harris, solid NBA guy who actually did a really good job leading into the Shaq era where he, that job was a little bit too big for him and Phil Jackson came in. He is a bridge. There's no doubt about it. But I'm just, I just personally, I would have gone the safe, traditional route and I would have told John Fox, you're getting paid well. You're the interim coach. Let's not make this into a complete service. Uh, you know what he could have done? You know what, what they could have done? What a lot of people do. They, they could have promoted some black dude, paid him some money, let him take them L's, and then say, we considered a black guy. We yeah. interviewed him. <laughs> he, we gave him eight games to coach. They could have played the whole Rooney Rule game. There's a rumor, Steve, that uh, Saturday's really just a placeholder for Jim Harbaugh. Do you think Jim Harbaugh would leave Michigan to coach his old Indianapolis Colts? I, you know, that's tough for me to say. I hope he doesn't because he's a. I think he's a better college coach than he is a pro coach. And me, as more of a college football fan, I like this character. He's nutty. He's iconoclastic. He's very, very unique, and, and he's doing a good job. He's got that thing turned around. They made the playoffs last year, and they're right in the thick of the Big Ten championship and going to the playoffs again. He seems to have that program right where he wants it, and I get the sense that his act can work with kids because after four or five years, they could just kind of graduate and have some good memories, some odd memories of the guy. As a pro coach, I don't know. He had great success early with the Niners. Then all of a sudden, it just kind of ended. But keep this in mind. Last what, what, year. What what happened in San Francisco? I thought he left to go to Michigan, and, and he was doing well. No, the last two years, I'm just telling there was a lot of rumors that players had gotten sick of it. it Let me go. Of- let's go check the record, Steve. I don't I'm, want you talking yeah. about this. This is why I don't like you. Now, the audience loves you because you're full of misinformation and they love you. Oh, God. It's why I, I, I'm. The last two fair. years, there was a real decline. There was. Let, let's go to the. We don't. I don't have to take and your it, word for this. Dude. And it dovetailed right. right with the decline of Colin Kaepernick as, as kind of defense is caught up to that. The fact that he could make Colin Kaepernick look as good as he did speaks to how great of an NFL coach he was. First three years were great. Last two, eh. Oh, that's the player. Let me get to the coaching career. Let's, let's, I, I, I got to fact check Steve in the moment. Uh, where, Stanford? Oh, this college career. Where's the pro record at? Thank you, Justin. Where is the, where's the, why am I not, Keep t- Steve, say something while I look for this. And I'm just uh, – my view is this. They call you the GOAT for a reason, Steve. Phil the college be, game be a needs great characters. Hmm? I love the fact <laughs> that he's willing to battle the Sabins and the Kirby Smarts, and he's a quirky guy, and he makes it clear he doesn't like certain people. There's a feistiness to that Michigan program now that was never there. I think he belongs in the college game. The college game needs him. I think Michigan needs him. And again, um, I don't know what else to say rather than, but here's the problem. I was surprised last year after that banner year they had at uh, Michigan that he wanted the Minnesota Vikings job. It looked for about two weeks he was going to take that job, but I'm thinking, why? 
Why? And uh, look at the year they're having now. Jim Harbaugh's four seasons in San Francisco. Thank you. Wikipedia, I don't know why y'all don't have this in order. 13 and 3, yes. 11 and 4, Super Bowl, 12 and 4, 8 and 8. Okay. This is why, again, this is why I call, well, you, I call you the Korean Cosell, not uh, the Korean Mitch album, you know, a, a legitimate journalist. Uh, you're, you're a TV talking head, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, you mean Mitch album? Great bit of fiction in Fab Five. Good yeah. book, by the way. Yeah. Turned out most of it wasn't true. Yeah. But yeah, I, I personally hope that he doesn't. I really don't. I think the college game needs characters. It needs a little bit of tradition. And I don't. I really believe with guys like him, their job is to win a national title. That's what he promised. He hasn't delivered yet. Give us a run. He in wants to win a Super Bowl too, and he probably look. College is such a mess with the NIL stuff that I I, I could see why somebody would want to get out of. You, you got kids making as much money as the assistant coaches, if not more than some of the assistant coaches. That's a whole headache coaching in college football at this point. It's a hot mess. I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Harbaugh wanted to get back to the NFL. Rather deal with millionaire professional athletes than millionaire amateur athletes. I uh, here's you know you go back to his run with the Niners. It was highly successful, and I think the world. I think a lot more of Jim Harbaugh than you do because you go back to his uh, coaching career at USD. He took over a failing program. University of San thing. Diego. Yes. Yes, the Toreros. He did a hell of a job there very quickly. Then he gets to Stanford, which was literally 0-12 under Walt Harrison his last year. The fact when he left there four years later, they were the number two team in the country, and I thought they could have battled anybody. 12-1. Then you take a look. Yes, and they I think they were finished two or three after they beat Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl, one of the most dominant performances that year. Then he gets to San Francisco and immediately turns around Alex Smith and then gets them on the verge of, going to the Super Bowl, and they go to the Super Bowl the next year. This guy can coach, Jason. I, I know you're 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 a – who's that guy? Brady Hoke. I know you're a Brady, Brady Hoke. Hoke the great Homer. Brady Hoke. The great yeah, Brady Hoke. Yeah, the great Brady Hoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, he, Brady so Hoke good, So good that the Pac-12 is now considering moving San Diego State to the Pac-12. That's how good. That's an impact head coach. Has Jim Harbaugh ever – lifted a team to a higher a power five a higher division of football the way brady hoke's doing right now at san diego state yeah brady hoke is so great he had to go to san diego state twice <laughs> think about that yeah and he's think taking about the power that. five hey, yes, let, no. <laughs> let me take let me take care of a little business and tell you guys about my friends over at bank on yourself we've been brainwashed into believing the only way to grow our money for retirement is to risk it in the stock market not true You can reach your financial goals and dreams without taking any unnecessary risk. Bank on yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. This retirement plan alternative has never had a losing year in 160 years. You're guaranteed predictable growth and retirement income with no no luck, skill, or guesswork required. How? Your plan doesn't go backwards when the markets crash. Both your principal and growth are locked in. You get access to your money for any purpose with zero. No questions asked and without government penalties or restrictions on how much income you can take or when you can take it. Try doing that with a 401k or IRA. You can't. This is the strategy 
famous businesses like McDonald's use when no banker would lend them a dime and almost anyone can do it. You can get a free report with all the details on how Bank on Yourself strategies adds guarantees, predictability, and control to your financial plan. Just go to bankonyourself.com slash fearless. That's bankonyourself.com slash fearless. That's a good decision for a fearless man who wants self-reliance and independence. Bankonyourself.com slash fearless. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, uh, Steve. Let's uh, continue our sports conversation by talking about uh, your Los Angeles Lakers who played last night without LeBron James. Uh, LeBron has a mysterious foot injury or ankle injury or something happening. He had to sit out last night. They got clobbered by the Jazz. Uh, They're now 2-8. and And listen to this, Steve. As you well know, this is LeBron's fifth year. He's headed towards his third losing season in five years in Los Angeles. Only once, they made it to the playoffs twice, only once have they made it out of the first round of the playoffs, the bubble season, where he got his bubble ring. LeBron James, and I said this at the time, I said that Hollywood LeBron James would be a failure. I said that on Speak for Yourself at the time. I said LeBron's not coming out here to play basketball. He's out here on some BS, and this has been an abysmal failure. LeBron James, the L.A. experiment, has been a failure. As I predicted five years ago, it's come to fruition. It's come true. You can't justify this with that bubble championship. That championship will always have an asterisk beside it. This, the whole, and this is what you'll never hear anymore, I don't think. No one will have an earnest debate conversation no one will have take it seriously comparing lebron james to michael jordan that is over failure it is in three or five seasons jason he's done the impossible he has turned the city of la not against the lakers but now as i told you we're apathetic we really don't care and it's almost to a point They've become a punchline. By the way, LeBron saw this coming about 10 years ago. Just ask him, right? Uh, th- this is – this. I mean, the, the, the bubble championship, that's absolutely right. It's an asterisk. I'm not so sure who has more championships, the Celtics or the Lakers. I don't count that one. And what's really interesting is he's not getting more heat for what he's doing. He's padding his stats because obviously he wants to break the all-time point scoring record. And then he wants to play with this son. Didn't he say that a couple years ago? Yeah. I'd like to play with my – oh, my God. You're telling me the Lakers are going to be held hostage for that? That That is the worst case of nepotism since Will Smith remade The Karate Kid for his son. <laughs> Hated that. Okay? <laughs> I refuse to watch that version. If it ain't Ralph Macchio, okay, and the real Mr. Miyagi, it ain't coming on my cable box. And I just look at this lake. They gave up 100 
40 points last night. And every time I watch the Lakers 139. update, oh, 139. This is the funny part. In a league of shooters, the Lakers have no shooters. keep you straight on the facts. And, go ahead. And the immortal words of Keith Sweat, I'm going to go back to Keith Sweat again. On this team, who could shoot a three? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> and who wants to play D? Nobody. And the band keeps playing along. I mean, it's sad. This is worse than I think the even the Sedale three era. Because the, the worst moment in Laker fan history, I'll never forget it, Jason. I'm working at the low-budget UPS, RPS in Vernon, California. I was packing boxes early in the morning, trying to pay for my uh, very unsuccessful stint in Cal State LA, right? Come out of the shift at about 8.30, and I turn on the radio when I was a, just a hardcore Laker fan, and it was Steve Hartman and Chet Forty, who were like the really big show at that point, and they were talking about Magic as if he had died. I had no idea what was going on, and they basically announced that Magic Johnson in a few hours will have a press conference to announce his retirement. And you have to remember, that came right after the Lakers had gotten to the NBA Finals and they got run out of there by a very good young Bull squad. And we're thinking, okay, we added Sedale 3. He's going to be the backup point guard. We're good. We can make another run. And like a, just like that, it was taken away from us. And it was a dark period in Laker basketball till about 95, 96. When all of those moves came, we had a young Nick Van Exel, Cedric Sabalos, and then obviously Shaq and Kobe. But right now, the Lakers fandom, I truly believe, has checked out on the Lakers. And I never thought it would happen because, first and foremost, we have been a Lakers town. But because of LeBron James, I can honestly say, even though they've only won one world championship, our city across the board, I think, cares more about the Dodgers. It's never been that way. You've made that point, and I've thought of – I actually think this could do some permanent damage to the Lakers brand. And yes. that that they may not recover. I mean, they went all the – just keep in mind that the, the league went from whoever had the best big man – it started out if you had Bill Russell, if you had Will Chamberlain, if you had Kareem, uh, if you had Shaq, you were getting. And so the from Wilt to Kareem to Shaq, the great big man always ended up in L.A. LeBron's a different version, although he's not seven foot. He's so big and athletic at six foot nine. It was like a continuation of that pattern of. The, the greatest big man always ended up getting traded to the Lakers. If you're Wilt Chamberlain played in yep. Philadelphia, Kareem played in Milwaukee, Shaq was in Orlando, LeBron was in Miami and Cleveland. <clears throat> and but now the league isn't as easily manipulated. There there isn't just this one big shiny big object you can put on a team and guarantee that team's success because of the three pointer. You know, look, Steph Curry is actually the most dominant player of this era, uh, the most successful. And so it won't be as easy to just, oh, let's just send the best player, the most dominant player in the league to L.A., and the Lakers franchise will be fine. This could be the end of the Lakers as that team in in professional sports in as it relates to the NBA LeBron may have overseen the destruction mm. of the Lakers brand. 
I think there's a lot of truth to that. And Jason, you know what's not being talked about? Is the leadership of Jeannie Buss. Everyone wanted to blame Johnny and thought he was Fredo. Well, I hate to tell you, um, one of our favorite shows is Succession. It turns out Jerry Buss, Dr. Jerry Buss, I think the greatest owner in professional sports history, God rest his soul, boxing promoter, by the way, too. When he died, this organization has never been the same. And he was like a very nice, benevolent, much friendlier version of uh, Logan Roy, right? Here's the problem. It turns out Jeannie, she's Kendall Roy or Shiv or Roman. She, she's no better than Johnny Buss. I mean, this organization's been a mess from the way they handled the end of the Kobe Bryant era. And I'm kind of like you, and I get a lot of heat from my Laker friends. I, I'm not part of the Kobe cult. I, I thought the last three years of Kobe were an embarrassment for the Laker franchise. He was overpaid and one of the most unproductive players. He was hobbled. And it set the franchise back at least five or six years. You walk into a bubble championship, but you take away that one year. What has this Laker franchise been since they went back-to-back -back in beating the Celtics in 2010? Uh, I believe Jerry Buss passed away in 2013. So now we're coming up about a decade worth of the Jeannie Buss ownership, where she's the face of the franchise. For some reason... She gets no heat. She seems to be very, very protected. And I think that story's been very, very undertold. Korean Cosell, you're having a rough day. Aren't, don't you mean Jim Bus, not Johnny? Jim Bus, Johnny. No, there's a couple brothers that were yeah, one out of Jim Bus was the one that yeah, took the reins, not Johnny. You're, you're yeah, having a rough day. That's why I call you Cosell, I'm not a journalist. I'm my head. Jeez, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so it's Jim Bus, But... I do think Jeannie Buss deserves some blame, but I want to go back to another silly statement you made. And again, this is why the audience, <laughs> I question the wisdom of the audience and how much they love you. You called Jerry Buss yeah. the greatest owner in professional yes. sports history. In, in American history, yes. Out of the four major sports, not even close. There's no second place. <laughs> why? Who is it? Daniel Snyder? Jack Kent? What? George, don't tell me George Steinbrenner. Don't, why no, wouldn't I tell you it? George Steinbrenner? Why wouldn't I? Why couldn't I throw Steinbrenner? Why couldn't I throw right. Art Rooney well, in case. there? How come I couldn't throw the Art Rooney's Rooney. in there? And and the six championships of the Pittsburgh Steelers football, the sport that matters the just, most, just that matters six. the most. All right, let me ask you this. Let's go to George Steinbrenner. Was Jerry Buss ever suspended by the league? No. Did he ever spy on his player? And Howie Spira on Dave Winfield? No. Oh, okay. Advantage Dr. Buss. Art Rooney, a lot of championships. He's a great man. Six championships. Lakers won it in 80, 82, 85, 86, Lot more trophies. Don't do lot that. Lot more trophies. And by the way. Don't do that. You're, you're comparing that, football to basketball. Jerry Buss basically started his own cable network, Prime Ticket, which ended up becoming kind of a Fox Sports thing. So you want to talk about an owner that built his own uh, network, created a platform. And by the way, also owned the Los Angeles Kings, owned an indoor soccer team, also promoted a lot of good fighters. Forum Boxing, where I, I got my uh, education in the sport. The guy was great. He was Steve. a national treasure. His only crime was liking hot young women. And if that's a crime, let him be a criminal. Uh, Steve, right. I'm going to yeah. throw out a name. <clears throat> And I know you're younger than me, and I know you're less informed than I am. But I'm going to no, throw out a name that just – I can't wait to hear it. Walter O'Malley, Brooklyn L.A. Dodgers. 
Yeah, broke the hearts of the borough of Brooklyn. Shame oh. on him. And and stole land. Jackie stole Robinson. Stole land from the Mexicans of Jackie Chavez Robinson. Ravine. Shame on him. Jackie no. Robinson. Okay, that's Branch. I give Branch Rickey credit no, for no, that. No, no, no. Branch Rickey was the general manager. Walter O'Malley right. was the owner. And he's the one who brought him in. And the look, owner O'Malley gets response for Jackie Robinson. That, what a carpetbagger. What a car- uh, Jerry Buss would never move the Lakers. I'll just tell you that much. What a and, carpetbagger. Uh, and so I'm going to give I, you that. That's an insult. And, and then I, I, let me oh, give you my God. Trump card. Okay. Who? Robert Kraft. Eh. What? 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 He's a great owner. He's not Jerry Buss. He is not Jerry Buss. Jerry Buss, the innovations with the Laker girls, the excitement, the showtime, he helped elevate a whole league. I'm just telling you, Jerry Buss was a special guy. He I, was I'm, a special guy. Now you're going to make me... Thank God I got this You know this what my favorite Jerry Buss story is that I could tell on the air? Yeah, go ahead. Jason. <laughs> on the air. It's only, yeah, it's a family show. So in the summer of 2007, Kobe was really making a lot of noise that he was fed up with the Lakers. He got his wish to not be with Shaq, and it didn't work out. We got run out of the playoffs once again by the Phoenix Suns, and it looked bleak for the franchise. And I really thought, oh, it's over. And and Kobe was going on various national radio shows chirping about, I want out of here. And Jerry Buss had a meeting with Kobe, and he said, Kobe, look, here's the thing. We're in a rough spot. But I just want you to know one thing. You are a 24-karat diamond. There's no doubt about it. You are a special player. However, what you're doing is hurting our leverage. But just getting three players that are all eight carats is not an equal deal because we've been on these type of trades. I just want you to know we have your rights. We want you to be a Laker. But until we get equal value, you're not going anywhere. And it was the nicest way of saying STFU and play ball. And this is what he did, along with uh, Mitch Kupchak at the time, engineered a trade for one Pau Gasol for a bunch of guys, a bunch of parts. And they ended up winning two more titles. The fact that Jerry Buss went through several different teams and created championships with different coaches and he made it work, that's the brilliance of Jerry Buss. The way he got Kobe Bryant in line. That was leadership. That's where I knew this, this guy, there'll never be a guy like him, ever. Uh, there's an owner of a prominent sports team that for, uh, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 17, 18 for 19 straight years never had a losing record starting in 1965 and he came to mind for me Steve and again this is why you'll never be the host of this show despite what the audience <laughs> demands this show needs me because I'm an inst- I have institutional knowledge and a memory like a Brinks truck uh, yeah as you looked it up from Google okay go ahead no this I knew where to look because, you know, of my sports intelligence. Uh, Clint Merkinson Jr., Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. Okay. And you tried to throw out the Laker girls when there's an owner that created the Dallas Cowgirls, the greatest cheerleading staff, the greatest cheerleading Wait, dynasty didn't have in the history of sports. Football didn't have cheerleaders before the Cowboys. Oh, give me a break. They've been shaking pom-poms since leather helmets. 
That that's not exactly the Dallas Cowgirls are the most historic cheerleaders. I had their poster <laughs> in my room as a kid. No one had Laker girl posters. The Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Cowgirls are institutions. Really? That was Did the Dallas Cowgirls ever produce Paula Abdul? Straight up now, tell me about that. Give me a break. Dancing Barry, the I Love L.A. song after 18 to 2 runs? No, 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 no. Lakers. <laughs> I'm just. I'm a Laker homer. There will never be another Doc Bus. You know, I, I am we- not I wish we could get Michael Irvin on the show to give us some inside stories about the Dallas Cowgirls, but, uh, you know, he's contracted mm, with uh, Wow. <laughs> the White House. Man, the White House. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I, I don't want to – I don't. Let, let me move to one more th- – Last night, Monday Night Football. Let me let me let me do let me talk some Monday Night Football with yeah. you. <clears throat> Lamar and the Ravens won. I was not impressed with Lamar's play, though. Uh, although they won, the Saints looked awful and horrible. Uh, I didn't think that game told us much, other than Andy Dalton is toast and uh, Sean Payton got out at the right time, and maybe they need uh, uh, Jameis Winston more than they thought. Uh, who knows? I didn't think much of that game, but there was an incident actually before the game uh, that you found interesting. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> let's let's play a little clip of uh, our man Adam Schefter before the game. Well, we got riffraff over here in the Superdome. How about that? You like that? You, you like that? that? Oh you my like that? goodness! Who knew Adam Schefter was hiding Chewbacca on his chest? Do you like that? Holy chest hair! That's the Do you like it? I like that. Okay, I like that. Let's make sure you like it. Uh, your thoughts? I think Adam Schefter, he's my age. He's very pr- – I think he's proud of himself. I think he's been in the gym a little bit. Maybe he's proud of himself. Really? I, I thought he needed to hit the bow flex a little bit more. This, this is what happens, though, when stiff – White guys are pressured to be cool. Hey, guys, don't be cool. Just be you. I thought that was cringeworthy. I mean, my – I will say this. Um, at least he didn't do the cabbage patch. White folks love the cabbage patch. They will always <laughs> – they love that dance. I mean, my God, they'll be what doing that dance. What was the dance he was doing? Do we know? I don't know. Some new thing that I hate. It, I, but here's the thing. He's trying to fit in and to be cool. And there's nothing cool about it. It's cringeworthy. I was like, wow. It's I mean, self-deprecating. Would never. Yeah, it's I, self-deprecating. No, He's being no, it's self-deprecating. self-defeating. That is self-defeating. Oh, God. It, it, I will say this. It screams midlife crisis. It, it's true. And, and, and I, I hate to even say this because I like Adam Schefter and, and I respect Adam Schefter. And I know he takes a, a lot of heat now. And so I, I want to be careful as I say this. If it wasn't Adam Schefter and I just saw a 55-year-old man on national TV with his shirt off dancing, I'd be like, oh, that looks like a midlife crisis. And he's trying to be young. He's trying He's trying to uh, again, impress someone that, hey, I'm still yeah. young and hip. I may be 55 years old, but I'm still young and hip. I took my shirt off on national TV. Yeah. That's what it looks and, like. It looks like he's, again, he might be telling on himself. And again, Adam – Okay, you get the invite to the cookout. Okay, you, you get it. You, you, but but get some snack products. I can get you a discount code and, and just a little bit more on the bow flex. Maybe do a little intermittent fasting if you're going to take your shirt off on TV. As for the game, Jason, 
once again, Lamar Jackson does not throw for 150 yards. There's an inefficiency to what they do. And Deshaun Jackson had that one nice plan thing. Okay, the return of the Jackrabbit. He's going to stretch the field. Blew out his hamstring already. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, I mean, can they get Anquan Bolden back? I just <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to Look, the Saints, I was disgusted by watching this. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Monday Night Football is... To me, still appointment viewing. It's great television. I love it. I'll always watch it no matter what I think of sports and the athletes. But if you're going to trot out Andy Dalton, I don't care if it's a regional game on Sunday. Start Andy Dalton all you want. But in a national primetime game against a quality team whose defense looks really good, Roquan Smith gives them an injection in that second level. He looked really good yesterday. Him and Patrick Queen, they're going to be tough at linebacker. It's unwatchable. And I'm thinking to myself, at least give me Taysom Hill because he gives you a dual threat. Or you know what? I want to eat the W with Jameis Winston. He's fun. <laughs> He's goofy. Things happen. There's chaos. It's, it's, it's entertainment. Watching Andy Dalton is just excruciating. And I was thinking about it. You know what Andy Dalton is? He's like that song, The Macarena. You know, a long time ago, it kind of mattered. You kind of got used to it. And you kind of grew to like it a little bit. Okay, but then it was over. Now you're driving down the 60 freeway, and when you hear the Macarena, you remind yourself, I, I hated this song. My God. And yeah, exactly. And you want to change the channel, right? As soon as the Macarena comes on now, you flip that dial. You don't, and, and the other thing is, Dennis Allen is a dud. He, do you know his record is 14-42 and 42 as a head coach? And he, and he comes is? out of the half. Yes, I looked it up. And he does this Oh, you interview. did a little research. I didn't know you, you yeah. did some research. That's fine. That's, hey, I Googled it. Yeah. Thank you. So he comes out of the locker room. And think, yeah, you know, we just got to do things better. You know, we're not going to do anything different. Just I'm like, Dennis, trotting out Andy Dalton is not going to work. He has the mobility of a rusted statue. And it was unwatchable. And any anytime someone – see, here's the thing. If I'm one of these people that want to use the Rooney rule and the minority hiring and how come black guys don't get their chance, it's not the Jeff Saturday thing I'm really upset about. It's that this dud gets a second chance. I I just look at that. If I'm a New Orleans Saints fan, and those are great football people, okay? They deserve better. They're great gumbo Andy, people. I know that. Yes, they, they deserve better. Then two duds, Dalton and Dennis. Give me Taysom, give me Jameis, and let's just at least be fun and exciting. If you want to tank, at least be fun and entertaining while doing it. I forgot about Dennis Allen's uh, two-and-a-half-year stint with the Oakland Raiders where he went 8-28. <laughs> and 28. Yeah. That, that, that'll leave a mark. Uh. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so look, it's situations like that, if you want to bring up the racial element of why can't certain coaches get um, opportunities – that's that right there is an example. I'd be like, you know what? That's a fair point. Dennis Allen to me has the feel of like a Joe Bugle or a Dan Henning or a Norv Turner. They might be really good, effective assistant coaches, but you know this, Jason. You played at a pretty high level. There's a difference between being a position coach, a coordinator, and a, well, you play Division One football. Oh, that's I not know. easy. I know. I know. I'm just saying. Sorry, there's a me, lot of that. great. <laughs> there's a lot of great assistant coaches. That cannot lead a team, and that's the feel I get from Dennis Allen. All right, uh, Steve, let me uh, 
take care of one of my favorite people. You guys met uh, Dan Steiner, uh, I believe, on, was it yesterday's show? Yeah, Dan sat in with us. Yeah, yesterday's show, uh, the founder of Preborn. You guys know Preborn is near and dear uh, to my heart. Uh, We're making a great impact. We are. Me, you, the Fearless Army. You guys are hearing my call. You guys are taking up the calls. We heard it straight from Dan Snyder. We heard from Dan the impact and exactly where our money goes and how it's used and how this isn't some big conglomerate corporation charity, excuse me, (coughs) that our money actually goes exactly where they say it goes to ultrasounds. And so we here at The Blaze, we here at Fearless, we have partnered with Preborn. Uh, to save as many babies' lives as we possibly can. We have a goal that together we're going to save 50,000 in 2022. Next year, we'll probably try to save 100,000. Uh, Preborn has been providing women ultrasounds for a number of years. They've counseled, they've met with more than 500,000 uh, women. They have Uh, saved nearly 200,000 babies' lives with these ultrasounds. When a woman hears, sees that baby's ultrasound, hears that heartbeat, she then knows that she has a real human being inside of her, and most of the time that woman will choose life. Preborn then steps in and helps this woman along the way, brings her to Christ, provides the maternity clothes, provide all the things that a woman needs to get through a pregnancy and after birth, the things they need, the support they need, the diapers and all of that that they need. Preborn provides all of that if necessary. This is from, this is care from the womb, through birth, through development. The stuff preborn is doing is amazing. The stuff we're doing, we're helping preborn do is amazing. You heard it from Dan Steiner yesterday on this show. I was so glad he stopped by our studios to uh, thank us and to thank you personally. And so I just want to encourage you all uh, again, because this is a never ending fight. As you heard from Dan yesterday, this isn't about the overturn of Roe v. Wade is nice. It's great. But the other side is working just as hard, if not harder now to destroy babies in the womb to the corporations are paying for women to cross state lines and covering the cost of abortion. So they're fighting harder. Now the fight is just now beginning. And that's why we have to get involved. Go to preborn.com slash fearless, uh, or you can just hit pound two fifty. say the keyword baby to donate, whether it's $20 for one ultrasound, 140 pays for five, or if it's, $5,000, or if you remember our, our great listener, Mark Gerber, we had him on a couple of weeks ago. The man coughed up $125,000 to preborn. Awesome. One of the greatest moments of my life as a journalist, as a broadcaster, as someone to, to, to be involved with uh, <clears throat> leading someone to make that kind of contribution to something that we all believe in that much. If you're a fearless soldier, this is almost like a requirement. And again, I don't want to force anybody to do anything, but come on. If you're a fearless soldier, if you're really about this life that we're trying to inspire, 
ante up a little bit. You know, it's like someone explained to me, it was actually Mike Todd, the minister out of Tulsa. I was watching a sermon when, when he talked about tithing in church and, and, and I don't, I I can't even say if it's a thousand percent accurate, but, but part of his understanding and the understanding he passed on to me was that tithing is to some degree proof of faith. It's, it's backing up. It's like, you know, yes, I believe and here's some evidence of my belief. I feel the same way about preborn in terms of what we believe as fearless soldiers, what we believe as men and women who want America to return to values that we respect, that glorify God. Let's offer up a little evidence that we actually believe that. And and I, listening to this show, hitting the subscriptions and likes, telling your friends about I love it all. I appreciate it all. I know many of you are doing all that you can and that that times are tough. Inflation and all that stuff uh, has us all, has us all, my mother, members of my family, cutting corners and just trying to make ends meet. I know it's tough, but let's offer a little evidence of of our belief and and be assured that uh, it will not go unnoticed. And that uh, we'll be rewarded spiritually. That we'll be rewarded just in your heart. That that's every time I give to preborn, I feel better. I, I I really do. And and I don't want. It's not some magical, mystical thing. It's just like when you can walk around and say, you know what, I contributed to saving a baby's life. Whew, you want to talk about a good feeling? And and there used to be a lot of things that I thought <clears throat> were great feelings. I oh. Let me get liquored up. That's a great. Let me go kick it and party with my friends. I I, I used to th- silly thing. Let me go have sex and that's a great feeling. It ain't better than going to bed and feel. You know what? I saved a baby's life. I took a little of my money and didn't go to the movies or didn't buy something I didn't need, and I used that money to save a baby's life. You want to talk about a great, satisfying? feeling that gives you a purpose and a step and confidence in yourself that, hey, I'm doing things that I can to improve this country. Uh, <clears throat> look, I, 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 someone teased me the other day in the comments. Boy, there goes Whitlock again, turning a 60-second read into a 10-minute segment. And, and sometimes that's all I can do with preborn because it is – Good Ranch. I love them all. I love all the sponsors. But man, I love feeling like I'm helping saving babies. Uh, so anyway, preborn.com slash fearless, pound 250. Say the keyword, baby. If you go to the website, uh, give us, the Fearless Army, all of us, I'm talking about you and you and you and you and you and you and all of you, give us credit for it. Let them know that you heard about it uh, right here on Fearless. Uh and so that, that that's let me go back to Steve. That's all I want to say about preborn for today. Hopefully I'll be talking about them again tomorrow. Uh, Steve, uh, I want to come back to you. There's a very interesting story in the National Hockey League. I read about it this morning. <clears throat> I believe his kid's name is Mitch Miller. Uh, he's basically been run. I think the Boston Bruins uh, back just backed off of signing him as a player because of something that happened when he was 14 years old. 
Uh, the details on this story are pretty gross. Uh, as an eighth grader, uh, a mentally challenged black kid was bullied by Mitch Miller and one of his friends. And it wasn't just a small amount of bullying. It wasn't just stereotypical. There's video of Mitch Miller and the other kid beating up the kid. Uh, the mother has the mother of the kid that was harassed said it went on for several years. He, as a 14 year old, I think uh, this Mitch Miller ended up pleading guilty uh, to delinquent behavior or something in juvenile court situation. And so it came to light. He becomes a big uh, hockey prospect. Uh, I think the Phoenix Coyotes were the first team to either draft him or, or take, and they got blowback and, He's been out of the league, and someone, Boston, circled back to him. The story gets ginned up all over again, and now they back away from him. Uh, I don't want to downplay the significance of his bullying, and it was a special needs kid, I'm not, and, and there was some racial implications in terms of calling the kid the N-word or other racial slurs. It was bad. I don't want to downplay that. I'm not sure how I feel about a permanent banning of this guy that he can't play in the NHL. I'm going to add some additional context to the story as it relates to my feelings, but I want to ask you first, how do you feel about, you know, it's years later, this happened when he was in eighth grade, the details are terrible. Should he be banned from playing in the NHL and there seem there's statements coming out like that 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 you know they don't think I think Gary Bettman or they don't feel like he should ever be allowed to play in the NHL this is a slippery slope because that was some abhorrent behavior um here's the thing and if we want to be consistent about this every year especially as it relates to the NFL draft we always talk about background checks character issues and players have committed crimes in the past or recently they've done activities that hurt their draft standings and a lot of these guys commit assault some of them do burglaries or other things that aren't just parking tickets but the individual teams themselves have a right to say i'm going to pass on him he's off our board we're going to red flag him we'll never draft him while other teams will say okay you know what if he slips to the third fourth round we'll take the heat We'll try to rehabilitate him, cross our fingers, and maybe this guy becomes a player. My view is that these type of decisions should be left to the individual franchises to see, do they want someone like this in their organization? I'll be honest. I probably would say, nah, I don't really need that headache. But I don't know if anyone should just across the board say nobody can employ him. Because, again, this is a very slippery slope. And let's go to the case of Michael Vick, guy that you know very well. He got implicated in the dogfighting thing. I'm not saying that he was the ringleader, but he was certainly implicated along with a lot of his um, friends. He served a two-year suspension, served the penalty. And as far as I was concerned, you know what? He served his time with the league and with the public. He paid his penance. I did not have an issue with anybody employing him, and he ended up having a pretty decent back half of his career. So no, my view is this. So if Michael Vick 
gets a second chance, and I think it was completely justified, why not this individual? Because, again, this is a very slippery slope we're creating. The mother, I think, has been on the record. The mother of the abused kid, the, the kid has been scarred by these events that happened when her son was 14 as well. Mitch Miller, I believe, is 20 years old now. Uh, again, this happened when he was 14. It was six years ago. Part of the problem, they, he didn't apologize in a timely fashion. Uh, the family ended up, you know, I'm going to give you one of the details of the things. Besides beating up the kid, besides the racial slurs, they fed this kid candy that had been rubbed through a urinal. And and so, heinous, 14 years old. Yeah, I get it. So now I got to be transparent and why this is a difficult issue for me. <clears throat> I bullied a kid uh, when I was a senior in high school and and it has haunted me um, for the rest of my life. I'm senior in high school. That's 1985. Uh, it is now 2022. I still remember this vividly and it was not a one off. I bullied this kid for half a semester of school. Uh, I was the captain of the football team. I'm, I'm just telling you the details. I'm not telling you the details for any kind of sympathy. I just want you to know the details. Uh, I was the captain of the football team. We went undefeated. We were nationally ranked. Jeff George was our quarterback. First state championship in the history of Warren Central High School. As a captain, it was my job as the tradition of our school. At the end of the year, the, the kids collect money and uh, buy the coaches a gift, uh, the coaching staff. we buy them. And so as a captain, it was my job to do that. We won a state championship. Everybody got these nice state championship rings. There was a kid on the team, a year younger than me, didn't play, was a reserve. Uh, when I came to get the 10 or $20 uh, for the collection for the coaches, he told me, F the coaches, they didn't do nothing for me. And so <clears throat> at that time, my affinity for the coaches, and it still is, but at that time I was like Luca Brazzi and someone had said something against Don Corleone. I, I was an overgrown idiot, and I absolutely adored my coaches and I was an idiot that this inf it triggered me that he would say F the coaches and I'm not calling them. I'm like, dude, you got a state championship ring and you ain't even play. And I bullied that kid for the rest of the school year. So that whole second semester, anytime he saw me, he was scared and had every reason to be scared. Not that I ever beat him up because I did not. I did something worse, in my opinion. And this thought I, it's hard. I hate even talking about it. And I've talked about this publicly before. I told this story once years ago on the Dan Lebertard show because it's haunted me forever. But uh, kid, after basketball games and after football games, we'd all go to Pizza Hut after the games and hang out. <clears throat> and uh, I'm walking out of Pizza Hut after a basketball game. And this kid walked into Pizza Hut and slammed into my chest as he walked into the pizza hut <clears throat> and I spit in this kid's face hmm. and that has haunted me for life I've I've it's it's haunted me I've tried to hunt down the kid at times I've tried to reach out over email and I'm a kid I'm talking about this grown man because I need to atone for this and and again I 
probably 10, 15 years ago on Levitar Show, I talked about this, and it's it's just anyway. I have bullied someone, and I, I've done something reprehensible. And trust me, I have prayed and will pray again tonight, asking forgiveness for all that. And 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 so it's hard for me. I'll go another level, and this isn't me, but this is me and my best friend. When we were in eighth grade, I remember going to our high school's football games, and my best friend, I didn't do it, but my best friend used to order a Mountain Dew, pour some of it out, piss in the cup, stand around, and wait for a girl to say, hey, can I have a sip of that? And then he'd he'd let her sip his Mountain Dew. That's what we did is eight, and we, and then we'd all fall out laughing. I I I just say that to say, and I could go through a couple of other stories about me and my childhood, even younger, because I'm. T- I started out in the ghetto, and just some of the things that we did in the ghetto as a little kid just weren't appropriate. I say all that to say, thank God. I was able to mature and not be held accountable for some of the reprehensible things I did as a kid. Who know? And so, and I I was telling the story this morning to to Hadley about this kid and and trying to get, because Hadley first heard the story about me bullying the kid on the football team. He's like, well, you know, and I was like, John, we got to remember now. Let's, because this was a white kid that I bullied. Let's say this dude is somewhere right now at 54, 53, 55 years old, and he's racist because of what I did to him as a kid. If he has some kind of phobia or animus towards black people because of what I did to him as a kid, I could have scarred that man for life. Who, who knows? I, I could, you know, and so it's like I saw a video of of someone at one of these abortion rallies or trans rallies or whatever, and they spit on Alex Stein, and it it just gave me a p a p a PTSD flashback of like, and how reprehensible I thought that person's behavior, and then I remembered myself as a young person I spit on someone, and so, and so, I, I tell that story just to. I don't know what I think about the Mitch Miller thing. I I, I think he should probably be forgiven. Uh, you know, I, I don't know where he's at in his walk and journey in life, but he's just 20 years old. He needs the opportunity to uh, move on. And, and, and I can't imagine there's not the, – the athletes that may hear the story because there's Boston Bruins players that say they don't want to be associated. And I know they don't want the baggage of that, but – there are guys walking around in locker rooms who at 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, growing up in some of these inner cities or any of them, who knows, we're out in the country, whatever. But I know gang activity at an early age yeah. and things you have to do to get in a gang that they may have done at 12, 13, 14 years old and, you know, don't have to pay any consequence for that behavior and get to walk around and they were like, they've never done anything to anybody. And, you know, so I don't know. I, I, I think me, if I'm on that team, I'm arguing, Hey, let's give this guy a chance. But th- that's me anyway. 
Yeah, and Jason, remember a couple of weeks ago, the NHL had this press conference where this lady said, you know, there's some racial inequities in the NHL, as if somehow the National Hockey League, let's just be honest, it's always going to be pretty much a white-slash-European league. There's not going to be that many black hockey players. There's going to be some, and there are, but, you know, that sport basically is played by really one demographic, but they're trying to shift this thing like, hey, we got to have more racial equity here. The optics maybe forced Gary Bettman to say, oh, okay, you did that to him. We can't allow it. So those two things may dovetail right along, right, right, right along uh, each other. I don't want to live in that world where there's no forgiveness. Yeah, I, <laughs> that, that that's that's not a good place. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to live in that world, and particularly the guy's fourteen years old, and and he's being an idiot. And I'm not trying to excuse it, but to act like that idiocy isn't commonplace. And and I know there are people maybe they're like, oh, I'd never do that, or I, you know, okay. Maybe. Jason, if if you go on the internet um, and Twitter, you will see a lot of fights that are taking place in school uh, at the junior high and high school level. So you kind of know who these people are because they're tagged or sometimes everyone knows who they are. So you're telling me every one of those kids now in 5, 6, 7, 10, 20 years, if they get a good job, are those videos going to be used against them? Is that the new standard? Again, this is a very scary, slippery slope if that is what we're going to determine uh, the efficacy of people, do we employ them based on situations like this, like you said, when you're 13, 14, 15 years old? Steve, there was a great opportunity for you at some point to uh, step in and say, hey, Jason, what you did was terrible, but it's not that bad. Don't, don't kill yourself over it. You didn't do it. You didn't offer me any comfort. But you know I didn't expect though? it. I didn't expect you know it, Steve. Why? I you didn't know why, though? Because yeah. if you're letting girls sip on your friend's piss, that's worse than what R. <sighs> Kelly did. <laughs> R. Kelly at least just pissed on you. Remember that from Chappelle? Yeah, yeah. But no, that's just I, like surface level. Uh, this uh, went into their system. I know. I know. I, and, you know, uh, I could call this dude that did that very successful. Very successful. And a good person to be honest with you, a good person. But in eighth grade, yeah, that's what we did. Yeah, but you know what? Let me just say, if I ever meet him and he has a big gulp, I'll be like, no, I'm good. Let me just get my own (laughs) bottled water here. Let me make sure that's sealed, by the way. Kids are stupid, man. Kids are stupid. God. Kids are stupid. Uh, You know what? I don't think we can recover from that sad story (laughs) and from me having to out myself. and that—that's The transparency of this show is going to have me confessing Everything. I don't know if I got anything worse to confess, though, than that. But, oh, God. Man. Steve, so uh, that's going to be it and all for us. Uh, great job. Thank you. Uh, I know. Bring Steve back if he hadn't hung up. It was, bring, Steve. All right, Steve. Uh, listen. Ball State Toledo tonight. Who you got? Well, Toledo's the favorite at the Glass Bowl, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty tough place to play. Yeah. Uh you guys are the heavy underdog, though, right? Yes. Yeah, but it's Maction. Yeah. It is Maction. I, I can't. I don't have a feel. I'll be honest with you. All right. All right. I don't have uh, a real feel. It's going to be a red wave. Ball State tonight. <laughs> oh, you don't say. Okay, yeah, let's go. Red hope. wave. Red <laughs> wave. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Steve. Uh, let's go play some tomorrow. 
Hopefully, I'll see you tomorrow unless I get canceled for being an idiot in high school. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the when We all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be. I just want, I wanna be. I just want, I wanna be. I just.